Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your precious word. And I thank you for your spirit within us. Lord, here we are. Touch our hearts, we pray this morning. By your precious anointing, we pray that you open our ears that we may hear. Hear the word of the Lord, that we may see you, that we may understand your will. And the grace, Father, to obey that word. We declare this morning that we will not be just hearers of the word, but we will be doers of the word. And so we thank you for the power that resides within the living word of God. We give you praise for what you're doing in our midst. And we thank you that you're always at work, working behind the scenes. And even though we do not see with our physical eyes or physical evidence, we believe. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And so we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, please. I'm going to be sharing with you today what I saw this morning in my prayer. As I prayed and prepared my heart to minister the Word this morning, God gave me a a vision in the Spirit. You know, when you step into the realm of the Spirit, You begin to see things, you begin to hear things and understand things you had not understood before. The spiritual realm is just a step away from the natural realm. And as you step into that realm of the Spirit, you begin to see what God is up to. You understand where he is going and what he intends to do, and so you come and align yourself with what he is doing, and you begin to cooperate with him because you see and understand the will of God as clear as anything. The problem that we have is that we live too much in the natural In other words, we are governed by what we physically see and feel rather than being governed by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. 
The Word of the Lord says that the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit because they are foolishness to him. Speaking about the carnal man, the flesh, speaking about the unrenewed mind, that person who walks according to the dictates of the natural man cannot receive and cannot enter the realm of the Spirit. And therefore, in order for us to become more efficient and flow with God, we're going to have to step into that realm where God moves. You see, God is a spirit. He's not a physical being. He's a spirit being. He lives in the realm of the spirit. So if you're trying to contact the Lord with your physical senses, you're wasting your time. Are you listening to me? And so we need to become more and more spiritual. That means we need to step out of what feeds and strengthens the natural man, the physical man, and step into what feeds and strengthens and edifies your spiritual person. And when God talks to you, He's not talking to your natural man or your physical man. He's speaking to your spirit. Amen? And it's so easy, when you get into the realm of the Spirit, it's so easy to see and understand. And so this morning, as I stepped into that realm, I saw certain things in relation to this fellowship, to this congregation. And what I saw was a ring of fire around the building. Now, please understand, the building does not represent you. It represents a spiritual habitation for our spiritual family. It represents every member of our spiritual family, whether you are here or scattered abroad. We have parts and members of our fellowship that are not physically here. They live far in other countries, in other continents. And when I asked the Lord, what is this ring of fire around the building? He said, this is the presence of God that was brought about by the prayer of the saints. That ring of fire was brought about by the prayer of the faithful saints who continue to pray and intercede for this spiritual family. And then he began to show me that this, this ring of fire does five things for you. Five things. Number one, it provides protection for you and your family. It provides protection from the evil one. It preserves and protects you. It's the presence of God. Number two, it brings provision. It provides for your needs, for you and your family. The word of the Lord says, our God is able to do what? to make all grace abound towards you, so that you always, having all sufficiency, 
may be able to contribute and bless every good work. Amen. That is the presence of God, the glory. My God shall meet all of your needs according to your bank account, according to the economic situation, according to His glory. We live in the kingdom of God. We're not subject to this world and to the kingdoms of this world. We're not subject to recession. We're not subject to depression in the economic sphere because we live in the glory realm. God will provide according to His riches in glory. But just because God promised it, it doesn't mean that you're going to have it or, or that provision will fall off of you like ripe cherries on you off of a tree. You're going to have to believe God for it. And you're going to have to walk in God's ways. Amen? The third thing, this ring of fire, the presence of God, the third thing that it does, listen carefully, it cleanses and it purges and it purifies us, both in heart and in thought. And when that fire begins to increase, you're going to experience the purging of the Lord. The word of the Lord says, now listen, here in Malachi, in Malachi chapter 3, this is what the word of the Lord says. beginning with verse 1 to verse 3. He's talking to those who are in prayer and who are seeking the Lord fervently. He says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek. Remember that this ring of fire came about as a result of the prayer of the saints. And listen carefully. The more passionate, heartfelt, and persevering our prayer is, the brighter the light, the greater the glory will be around you. There are degrees of the glory. There are degrees of the presence of God. And the more passionate you are in prayer, and I'm not talking about prayers that are tainted with selfishness. I'm not talking about prayers that you pray just for yourself. I'm talking about passionate, heartfelt, persevering, believing prayer that extends the kingdom of God and the interests of the kingdom of God. James says, you ask and receive not. Why? Because you ask amiss. Not all prayer is prayer in the eyes of God. Many prayers that we pray are not answered because... They have selfish motives. He says, you ask, you do not receive, because you ask amiss that you may spend it upon your pleasures. They are tainted with selfish motives. They are self-centered. Lord, give me a bigger house, a bigger car. 
I want to go on holiday. Please provide for me. God will do all of that, provided you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I'm talking about prayer like the prayer that James talks about. In James chapter 5, verse 16, he says, Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, I'm reading from the Amplified, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest... This is the type of prayer that God is looking for, for those who pray and intercede for this fellowship and for the church of the living God. For the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. To do what? To set the captives free to provide healing, to provide deliverance, to extend the borders or the influence of God's kingdom. These are not selfish prayers. He goes on to say, in Isaiah 62, verses 6 and 7, these are the types of prayer that God is looking for. He says, I have set watchmen upon your walls, O Jerusalem, You can take Jerusalem out there and put your family, your church, or whatever you are praying for and interceding. Did you know that you have a calling from God to be a watchman? What does a watchman do? He stands upon the wall and he watches. What is he watching for? He's watching for the enemy. He's watching for what goes on. You are a spiritual watchman, and you and I have a responsibility to watch out for one another in prayer. Jesus said, watch and pray always that you may be able to escape all of the things that are going to come upon the face of the earth that you may stand before the Son of Man. He said to Peter, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. People who are not watching and are not praying, they're always falling into sin. Always. They have no strength to resist or repel the things that the enemy endeavors to do with them. They are distracted from the goal, from the purpose. They entangle themselves with the affairs of this life. They are in a cycle from day to day on a treadmill that keeps going and going and going nowhere. They have no vision, no clarity, no direction. Why? Because they are asleep. The voice of the Lord goes out to His church today and He says, Awake, O arm of the Lord. Awake and put on your strength. Whenever the Scriptures speak about awakening, it's talking about fervent, persevering, believing, passionate prayer. When you are not in prayer, you are asleep. You have no idea what goes on in the realm of the Spirit. You will not understand what the enemy is planning and plotting against you. 
And things happen, and you question, and you wonder why. Well, God was trying to alert you, to warn you. But you didn't pick up what he was saying. Are you listening to me? He says, I have set watchmen upon your walls. O Alpha and Omega family, who will never hold their peace day or night. You who are his servants, and by your prayers, put the Lord in remembrance of his promises. Do you know how many promises God has spoken over this fellowship? Most of them have not come to pass yet. What is God looking for? He's looking for men and women who will pick up those promises and go to war in the place of prayer and bring those promises to pass. Daniel in chapter 9, when he read in the books from the prophetic utterances of Jeremiah, and he saw that 70 years the nation of Israel will be held in captivity. And when he saw that the 70 years were up, he didn't just sit down and relax and he said, well, if God promised it, it's going to happen. No, when he understood that this was the time of the return of the nation, The Bible says he went to God in prayer. Read his prayer in the book of Daniel chapter 9. Read his passionate confession and repentance before God, pleading with God for mercy that he may fulfill the promise that he has given so many years ago through the mouth of the prophet Jeremiah. You know, God promised us so many things. What do we do? Are we seeking God fervently and passionately? Are we spending our time in prayer and fasting regularly? Are we pursuing God and drawing near to God so that He may draw near to us and complete that which He has began? His work in us and through us. And so when prayers like this, He says, Listen, you who make mention of the Lord... Keep not silence and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her a praise in the earth. When prayers like this go up to God, the fire, the ring of fire around our family will increase, the brightness will increase, the fervency will increase, and the glory of God will become stronger and stronger, and then God will begin to purge and purify every single one of us. He will purge us from all ungodliness, from all worldliness, from all compromise. And we will place ourselves upon the altar of God's sacrifice and allow God to have His way with us and through us. Then we're going to see revival. Every revival and every spiritual awakening that has come to the house of God throughout the centuries has come on the wings of fervent, passionate, persevering, continued, believing prayer. And that's what God is looking for. Are you willing to be one of those who will stand upon the wall and watch and pray and never give Him rest? And remember this, 
As the house of God is restored, you will be restored. Your family will be restored. Your children will be restored. They will come back. The backslider will return to the Lord. The prodigal will return. And we're going to see signs and wonders that will follow us. No read somewhere what's happening out there. But the, the signs will follow you because you've come on fire. And the word of the Lord says, listen, Malachi 3, turn there again. This is what he says. I send my messenger, the prophetic voice of the Lord, the messenger of the covenant will come, will come to the temple of God before Jesus comes to take up his church. The word of the Lord says that Jesus will come back for a bride that is spotless, without wrinkle. He's not going to come back for a compromising, lukewarm church that is indifferent towards the things of God. He's going to come back for a bride that is so in love with Him, that has eyes only for Him and no one else. And when the messenger of the covenant comes, he says, He will suddenly come to His temple. And behold, He's coming, says the Lord of hosts. But listen to this. Who can endure the day of His coming? And who can stand when He appears? Why? It's a frightening thing. Because He is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. And he will sit as a refiner and a purer of silver. And he will purify you and purge us as gold and silver. How do you purify gold? You put it through the fire again and again and again. God is going to increase the heat. But the fire will not burn you. It's going to burn all the dross and all the garbage the world has placed upon us. And the worldly mindset and the values and the systems of this world. And you will begin to trust God wholeheartedly, not leaning unto your own understanding. Every step you take will be a step that is ordered and guided by the Spirit of the Lord. This is what God is looking for. He says the messenger of the covenant will come. I read in Psalm 104 the other day that God makes His angel spirits and His ministers a flaming fire. When the fire returns to the pulpit, God will purify His church. And I've been praying, Lord, set my heart on fire that every word that comes out of my mouth will be like a fire that will burn the dross, the ungodliness, the dishonoring, the rebellion within your people so that we may see his glory. I'm tired of playing religious games. I want to see the glory of God. I want to see the power of God manifested. And I know the only way that he will increase that ring of fire and he will brighten that glory is through the fervent prayers of his people. Amen. So the third thing that God will do as this fire increases, as the light and God's glory strengthened, there will be a purging in the house of God. There will be a cleansing 
And we will, we will be purified. And we will be cleansed. You know, there are certain things that you're not even aware of. Not even aware of. But they are there. And the word of the Lord says, in your light alone we shall see light. When you step into God's glory and God's light, you see things you have not seen before. You are not even aware of. I know. God has been dealing with me about my prophetic ministry. He said, son, you can teach. And you have blessed a lot of people with your teaching. You can pastor because I've given you a father's heart. But you're not a teacher. You're not a pastor because your primary ministry is prophetic. And you have neglected the prophetic ministry that I've given you when I have called you into the ministry so many years ago. You have neglected. You have reversed the roles. And I thank God for his mercy. I repented before God and I said, God, forgive me. I'm returning to my primary gift to the ministry which you've given me. Yes, I'll teach. Yes, I'll pastor. But my primary calling is to bring an awakening through the grace of God and the word of the Lord to your church. He said, you blessed many people with your teaching, but you have not awakened them. And then he said, you cannot teach a man who is sleeping. You have to wake him up first. And then you can teach him. And Pastor Frank, the Lord spoke to me about that email you sent me yesterday. He said, the light will never run and you must never run from the darkness. God placed you there. God planted you there for this reason, for such a time as this. And they are the ones who are going to leave, not you. Because the light will chase the darkness away. So you need to stand your ground. You need to pray. You need to call upon God. And you need to exercise spiritual warfare. And you chase those things, those people out of there. That are called. That whatever they're doing there that is not of the Lord. You put them to flight. Because the greater one is in you than he that is in the world. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We're not going to run away from them. They're going to run away from us. Amen. Praise God. This is the hour that God is calling his church to rise up. Just like Mordecai called Esther, and say to her, how do you know that you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this? This is the hour. We are the most blessed and privileged people on the face of the earth, folks. The blessed generation. Why? Because we are living in the days where God is pouring out of His Spirit upon all flesh, and that includes you and me. And then He said, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I want to hear and see prophetic utterances, not just in church, but out there. Your young men will see visions. Come on, young men, where are the young men? The chairs are empty. Where are the young men? They're out in the bars and, and on drugs. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And upon my manservants and maidservants, I will pour out of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. 
This is the day. This is the day of spiritual awakening. This is the day of revival. This is the day when God is going to raise you up as you wake up and take hold of God. As you draw near, as he said, and I will draw near to you and I will do my work in you and through you. But he cannot do it when we are sitting out there and God is saying, draw near, draw near, draw near. May God's Spirit woo us deeper and deeper into the glory realm. And the type of prayers he's looking for are not mealy-mouthed, selfish, self-centered prayers that are tainted with, with selfishness. He is looking for prayers such as these ones that I'm going to read to you now. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, folks. Thank God for the gift of God that He placed within us, even to help us in our weaknesses when we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We know how to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, but we do not know what to pray for as we ought. And that's when the Spirit comes in. Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Another translation says infirmities. What's he referring to? The weaknesses and the infirmities is referring to, to because we do not know what to pray for in our natural mind. Your spirit knows things your mind will never know. Because God's Spirit dwells in your spirit, not in your mind. Your mind is limited. Your understanding is limited. That is why we have such limited grace and power within our churches because we're only praying one kind of prayer. The one we can understand. But God is looking beyond that. And He's given us the gift and the prayer language that we may step into the realm of the Spirit and pray the very will of God for you and for everyone else that you're praying for. He says, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but, thank God, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That word groanings are deep sighs that only the Spirit understands. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Why? Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When I pray in the Spirit, I'm talking to the Father. The devil has no clue what I'm talking about. My mind has no clue what I'm talking about. My mind tells me, what is this gibberish you're doing? What do you think you're doing? Are you crazy or something? The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit. But I'm not a natural man. I am a spiritual man. Because the Spirit of God lives within me. And as I pray and push in the Spirit, and push in the Spirit, and push in the Spirit, sometime an hour or two, my mind begins to understand what I'm praying for. And my feet are dancing with joy because I have cast down that demon that has caused me so much trouble. But I've used words which the Spirit gave me utterance. 
I have not used natural words. I have used spiritual words. And if you're not using the gift that God placed in you, I am sorry for you. It's time you start praying in the Spirit. Listen to what Paul says, writing, writing to the Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. He, he, he talks about the, the armor of God. And you know that armor is a prayer armor. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the gospel of peace. You know what that is? It is a battle armor. And where do we war? Where do we battle? David said, you teach my hands to war, my fingers to fight. He was talking about a physical war, but we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle in the Spirit. You put that armor on and you step into the battlefield and you begin to pray and intercede. As Paul says here, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In the Spirit. In the Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, when I pray in the Spirit... My Spirit, by the help of the Holy Spirit, speaks in tongues. When I speak in tongues, my Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, prays. Look at it. Ephesians 6.18 Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Look at the next word. Being watchful. Being watchful in the Spirit. To this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Do you know all the saints? I don't, but the Spirit does. You may be praying for someone out there in, uh, in Ukraine right now that is crying out to God for help. Your Spirit is in touch with the Spirit, praying for all saints. And for me also, Paul says, that utterance may be given to me. If we want to get anywhere in the Spirit, we've got to start changing the way we pray, folks. Change the way you're praying. Switch off that natural mind and let the Spirit of God within you Fan that flame of God. You know, I read the other day, when on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon those 120, you know how it describes the coming of the Spirit? As of tongues, tongues, tongues of fire being sitting on each one of them. God has given you a tongue of fire. And then he says to Timothy, fan the flame of God's gift within you. Do not neglect the gift of God that is within you, which was given to you by the laying on of my hands. Oh, Lord, forgive us for our negligence. Forgive us for our negligence. As I said, as you come into the light of God's glory, you're going to see things about yourself you never saw before. And the next thing that's going to happen, you're going to see some wonderful things, but you're going to see some things that are not so wonderful about you. Attitudes, anger, 
Where was this anger? It was right there. It was in. It came out when God put the fire underneath. Where was this judgmental edit? It was in you. You're not aware of it. You have never been aware of it until you come into the glory of God. And then things begin to show up. And when they do, it's time to repent. I recall the first time I repented. I was 23, just before my 24th birthday. And I attended a church meeting by four. Someone took me by the hand and just said, you're coming with me today. And I went. I had no choice, no option. And as I stood, a man stood up on the pulpit and he began to preach the word. And the next thing that happened, it broke me because I saw myself in God's holy mirror. You see, the word is light. The entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. So when the light came, I saw. What did I see? I saw my wretchedness. I saw my filthiness. I saw how I've hurt my wife. I've hurt my in-laws. I've hurt my parents. I've grieved them. I've caused them pain. And I could not help but be broken. Remorse. Godly remorse that led me to genuine repentance. I want to tell you something. The reason why we have so many weaklings in the church today is because they've never genuinely repented of their sin. And without repentance, there can be no forgiveness. Let me tell you that. Don't listen to these false preachers that they tell you, yes, this, you don't need to repent. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. There is no forgiveness of sins without repentance. Jesus preached repentance. John the Baptist preached repentance. Peter preached repentance. Paul preached repentance. Why are we not preaching it today as much as we ought to? I'll tell you why. Because we lowered God's standards. And we want to welcome everybody. These seeker-friendly churches. The crowds are by the hundreds and thousands because they have itching ears. I don't want to preach what you want to hear. I want to preach what you need to hear. And if you feel uncomfortable, it's good. Amen. I pray that Holy Ghost conviction will come back to the church. And we're going to see some, some glory and some manifestations of God's presence. The other day I saw, that was yesterday morning, I saw the mighty hand of God moving across the nations. And then I saw that same mighty hand moving across the church. Have you ever seen a Mexican wave when you attend a rugby stadium? And there are thousands of people and they stand up there. That, that, that wave, what I saw when the hand of God went over the church, a wave after wave of God's people were bowing lower and lower and lower and lower and lower, humbling ourselves before God. And then I heard loud cries and tears of repentance, and then the glory fell. That's what God is doing right now. Are you ready for the glory? Are you making adequate preparation? And the first place you run to is the prayer closet. God is calling us to prayer, not just any prayer. Forget about yourself. Forget about your needs. 
The problem is the more you focus on yourself and your needs, the bigger the needs become and the bigger the problem becomes. Paul says, none of these things move me. He says, even though the Spirit testifies that in every city persecution and trials and affliction await me, none of these things move me. None. Neither do I count my life dear to myself. May God, God give us that Spirit that we do not count our lives and ourselves dear to ourselves but that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. He only had one thing in mind, finish my race strong, finish my race with joy. Nothing could distract him from the call of God on his life or what God called him to do. We get, we, we get so easily distracted today because we count our lives dear to ourselves. The title of my message this morning is Restoring the Altar of Prayer. And you know what the altar speaks of? Sacrifice. In the altar of prayer, that's where you're going to die to yourself and you're going to become alive unto God and to His Spirit. You're going to die to your selfish ambitions and selfish desires, and you're going to come alive to God's purpose for your life. You're going to find yourself. You're going to find your purpose. You're going to find clarity. And you're going to return to your true nature and to your true purpose. And the only way you're going to find it is in the place of prayer. Before the fire fell, when Elijah called fire from heaven, you know what he did before he called for fire? Before he prayed and he said, Lord, send the fire? He repaired the altar of God. And when we repair and restore the altar of prayer, that's when the fire is going to fall. Amen. The fifth thing that's going to happen, remember I've given you four, protection, Provision, purification, restoration. God will restore divine order in your house and in the house of God. You will be restored to divine order. Every area of your life will be restored. The Bible says, and I will restore to you the years which the locusts have eaten the time that was wasted, I'm going to restore it to you. And I pray, God, restore the years. Restore the time that I've lost. Restore the time that I was asleep. Restore the time, Lord. I have wasted so much time. And number five, that ring of fire, as it increases in strength, in power, and in glory, is going to attract to the church resources, but most of all, precious souls. Precious souls will be added to the kingdom of God. And I'm not talking recycling souls that leave one church and come to another church. I'm talking about people that have been born again by the glory and by the presence of God. They will come from the north, from the south, from the east and the west, they will come to us. What it's going to bring them? What's going to attract them? The glory of God. Arise, shine, 
for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, you who are awakened. Nations will come to the brightness of your rising. Your sons and daughters will come from afar. Resources will come. We will have no need to do anything we need to do because we're putting first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. My prayer is, Lord, grant us mercy. You see, repentance is a gift from God. You cannot manufacture it, no matter how hard you try. But it is a gift given to those who genuinely humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. As James says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due time. Let's stand and pray. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.